This is a HeadGum Podcast. Now let's start the show. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is STD shaming can kill you. It will kill you. We'll tell you why later. Also in the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news, the beauty benefits of an orgasm, and how an Uber driver saved a girl from a sex trafficking ring. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. She was previously a columnist for the New York Observer and the New York Post and was one of the founding editors of The Gloss. She's the author of It Ended Badly, 13 of the Worst Breakups in History, and her latest book, Get Well Soon, hits shelf February 7th. Please welcome back to the show, Jennifer Wright. Hi, Hi. how are you? I feel like we need a clapping sound noise thing, but we'll clap for you. Sorry if that was insufficient. (laughs) We are so excited to have you back. Um, You were amazing on our last episode. Your book, Get Well Soon, is about the history of the worst plagues and the heroes who fought them. And our listeners are probably wondering... What does this have to do with sex and dating? Angela, are you wondering that? A little bit. Well, it has a lot to do with it. And that's because of syphilis, Upton Sinclair, and STD shaming. Isn't that right? Tell us what you learned. Okay. Um, so for a long period of time, like up until penicillin was invented, it seemed like everybody I read about had syphilis and everybody was terrified to talk about it. So you get all of these people who almost certainly had syphilis, who their entire families try to cover up the fact that they have ever had an STD, like Abraham Lincoln, who many people will tell you definitely didn't have syphilis. That's a terrible allegation. Abraham Lincoln told his best friend that he had syphilis. Like, he told him how he contracted it. His so he probably had syphilis. Was he that, probably had syphilis. Angela, I'm not was that g- before Mary Todd? Yes. Oh. It was a young lady of his that acquaintance who mess. infected him. Uh, oh. And then, now, does syphilis, it drives you kind of crazy, right? Yes. Syphilis is a horrible way to die. Um, it so doesn't necessarily... crazy that he freed the slave. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily ever progress to a point where... If it becomes tertiary syphilis, you'll experience probably severe dementia. Like um, Nietzsche, who was one of the greatest philosophers of the 20th century, died absolutely insane, smearing his own feces on the walls, oh, almost God. catatonic. And he was taken out before classes, tragically. He was one of the youngest professors at the university, and towards the end of his life, he was used as a case study in front of students. Um, oh, God. This is what tertiary syphilis looks like, and uh, don't have sex without a condom, because <laughs> this is what will happen to you. So, yeah, it's it's a horrible, horrible way to die. It doesn't necessarily ever get to the point where it has tertiary syphilis. You can just stay at secondary syphilis symptoms for many years like decades but yeah if it progresses to that it's bad secondary syphilis isn't great either what are the symptoms of secondary um well you'll have shooting pains all over your body um a lot of people have very severe headaches people can start to experience mental symptoms at any state of the disease so 
you can start to have like erratic mood swings that you maybe wouldn't normally have. So did Mary Todd die of syphilis also yeah, then? Because she was a little bad, right? she was insane towards the end. Yeah, there's speculation about whether or not Lincoln could have infected Mary Todd. But the thing is, all of these things are so hard to study. There's this amazingly prim interview with Lewis and Clark's biographer where he talks about whether or not he had syphilis. And the biographer says, nobody should ever know that, not even his own biographer. So this is a disease that I mean, cured almost a century ago, and people are still so reluctant to talk about it. I'm going to guess that Abraham Lincoln had syphilis because he, he told his best friend, Angela, for the record, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that I have, like, that a I have really syphilis unless I venereal disease. But I would also be like, it. unless Laura's I legit acting a little it. crazy lately. I think I would figure it out. Yeah, you probably would. Yeah. Um, do you, you um, Laura's been <laughs> smearing her feces on the wall. I think something's up. You I must. Was, you must think I already have syphilis because that's what I just did <laughs> last night. I just thought it was a party. <laughs> yeah. It also can cause your nose to rot off. Mm, um, the oh, soft skin. And I was talking to my agent. I've had about some friends it. whose noses have rotted off, but it was mostly just from coke. Yeah. At least that's yeah. what they said. <laughs> um, I was talking to my agent about it, and she said. Her grandfather wore this metal nose covering and her her great-grandfather and the family had always said it was because he worked with cows and they just <laughs> flicked, flicked their tails against his nose so many times. And only now does she realize that was probably a cover story. What a good cover what story. What a great <laughs> cover story. <laughs> wow. That, yeah, mm. if you have syphilis and your nose falls off, just say uh, you did a lot of coke or you were hanging around cows too much. Yeah, penicillin is great. Penicillin yes. is super great. But I would say there's still a stigma around most STDs. Or so many. So STD shaming. Wait, what about Upton Sinclair? That's a big part of... Or is uh, that a different story? That's a different story. Oh, shit. Uh, sorry. Um, but but he's important. He's important. <laughs> but he didn't have syphilis. No, he, but I mean, well, we what don't know. Do? Perhaps he did. <laughs> well, he reformed a lot of um, conditions for workers, and he spoke out a lot about tuberculosis, which was considered a very wealthy person's glamorous disease. And uh, he made it very clear that it actually afflicted workers in the slums at very very high rates. So. He's a cool guy. He's That's just, interesting that it, that a disease can be glamorous. Yeah, uh, tuberculosis is really a weird way that people responded to disease. Women, well, one doctor says, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but one doctor at the time wrote that his female patients were trying to give themselves tuberculosis because you lost a ton of weight. Oh it gave God. you a very rosy complexion. Um, the tubercular look was really fashionable. And before we kind of laugh about like how... Why would anyone do that? That's really stupid. We have but think about heroin it, chic. Yeah, is it I, crazier than yeah than heroin yeah. chic or? Yeah. I mean, no one says bulimia is chic, but but like, how many times have you heard somebody be like, "Oh, I wish I would get a tapeworm." Yeah, like, yes. <laughs> do you hear that? A lot? I, I, I guess more I've than once. Fr- <laughs> I've heard friends joke about it. I've heard friends joke about it. Or like, if a friend gets really sick, like close to pneumonia level, I've actually heard them say, "Yeah, it was a miserable week, but I lost like five pounds." Yeah, oh like, I've heard of. Yeah, I've heard that a couple times from friends like getting excited about being sick. It's like, guys, don't you know that you're always going to gain the weight back? Number one, number two, that's not how you want to lose the weight also couldn't you die from tuberculosis oh yes people died horribly it ate mm. your lungs apart um mm. you would probably choke to death on your own blood um but you look there fit. well the amazing thing is that like 
being a tubercular woman was so fashionable in Victorian England and they were so idolized. And when you read about the accounts of people actually dying from tuberculosis, they vomit up like two cups of blood at a time. Oh um, my God. And you thought like beauty standards were tough now, guys. Right. Yeah. You thought the Kardashians were putting, uh, making it, your life tough. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're doing. Those tuberculosis girls really were. Yep. No, there are all these accounts of how like such and such looked more death-like and beautiful than ever. That's because they were literally dying. That's because their bodies could no longer hold down food and they were throwing up blood. And here in my head, I thought that like, you know, the the need to be skinny was more of like a modern day thing. I always thought like, oh man, I would have been so hot back in the olden days because I've got my big forehead and I've got my curves, but mm-hmm. apparently not. I would have not been yeah, hot back then like anyway. Old portraits are usually a more like a uh, curvaceous lady. Yeah. Right. You, would, yeah, you thought, right. so what's up with the whole like hot dead girl? Okay. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it is connected to feminine fragility. Like mm. it also, you know, Tuberculosis was thought to afflict people who were very sensitive, who were romantic, who were kind of dreamy. This is all nonsense, by the way. It's a lung disease. It hits people completely at random. It's just really by virtue of the fact that it made you skinny and it made your complexion rosy. People thought, like, beautiful people get this disease. Like, poets and artists get it. And um, I mean, if by sensitive, they mean and it no immune system. And afflicted young women. So a lot of the sufferers were in their late teens or 20s, and you'd be dead by 30. So wow. it became a disease associated with um, the beautiful and young and doomed. So, yeah, it was thought to be there was a whole culture for wealthy people devoted to it where like you could go bathe in healing springs and you would go out and hear the opera there are accounts of how the women all sit there like race covered in jewels at the opera because they're so skeletal um but so beautiful <laughs> did writing this book turn you into a hypochondriac uh, no because i already am one <laughs> <laughs> Um, so no, I worry about diseases all the time and I feel like, I, I hope I'm not the only person who like falls down a WebMD rabbit hole whenever I'm like sitting around and trying to write and I'm like, oh, there's, there's a pimple on my tongue. And then you Google like pimple on my tongue and it's like, oh, you have throat cancer. And mm-hmm. that can like take up two hours for me of figuring <laughs> out how, how I'm going to beat this. I've done. So, so you didn't discover anything new to worry about? Um, well, okay. I definitely discovered some new things to worry about. One thing that I'm exceptionally worried about is doing all of these chapters, whether it's a bubonic plague or syphilis or any number of diseases, you can finish the chapter by saying, oh, but you know what's great? We have antibiotics now. Like, yes. Yeah, right. you're not going to die from this. If- Although, I'll, not to burst your bubble, there's the super bug now. I know. People that's have, what I'm worried and, about. And you know, I've taken way too many Z-packs in my youth. Now if I'm sick, I don't take a Z-pack and I, I'm alive and I'm better. And I've learned that like I was definitely giving myself too many antibiotics growing up. Like anytime I had a cold, it's not my parents' fault. They didn't know any better. They would take me to the doctor. The doctor would give me good old Z-Pack. Yeah. You know, I can't remember what else mm-hmm. they would give, but a lot of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And most of the times when you're sick, they're viral infections. Or if they're not viral infections, your body needs to learn how to heal itself. and it needs to develop the correct kind of antibodies. So I take a probiotic every day. Wow. I, kind of, I don't take antibiotics unless I'm like, 
I mean, if I, I will know if I have to take an antibiotic. If you're sick like, more than a week, if you're and throwing you're, up blood, yeah, like mm-hmm. please take an antibiotic. Yes, I'm not like anti-Western medicine by <laughs> any means. I just, I mean, there's, it's a known fact that our culture has been giving, has been taking too many antibiotics, and we're developing a resistance. We're developing which is a resistance. It's very the scary. Worst thing I don't that know could happen to us. This super bug, though. So you're, is this like this is this is bacteria that is now resistant to antibiotics and there's like certain strains now that they don't have a cure for because uh bacteria is becoming resistant because we've been taking too many antibiotics and it affects everything like it affects if you go into surgery you need antibiotics afterwards to help you heal so yeah if we lose the ability to use antibiotics um we are a doomed species yes huh Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is going to be a real doomsday Doomsday, <laughs> yes. So just when, just when I was, when Jennifer was starting to feel better, but knowing that, like, she doesn't need to be a hypochondriac, there's antibiotics out there, I had to remind her of the evil yeah. truth. No, it's the most terrifying thing. And the Spanish flu is the other one that really, really scares me. It killed more Americans than have been killed in all of our wars. Um, in a single year, 1918, bad year for the world. Which wasn't um, that long ago. Not that long no. ago, like about 100 years ago. And yeah, nobody knows what caused it. Nobody knows why it went away. The existing theory is that it just killed 50 million people and that was enough people and then it kind of went away. So if that comes back, that will be a real problem. Like at least it kind of had a slow spread. Um, that took a few months in 1918. Now the spread will be immediate. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the recent, the recent epidemics. People have probably thought that that's like the new one. There was like bird flu was right. like when I was when I was probably in like elementary school or high and school. Swine flu. Yeah. Swine flu. And then, Which I, then Ebola I was like the most recent. That it's like that's gonna wipe out the world. And now Zika. People are. You know, that's going to wipe out the world. But I feel like everyone's waiting for the next big epidemic. I had swine flu, or at least the person what? at the City MD walk-in clinic told me I had swine flu. But I wound up being fine. Did you have to take but anything? I was what sick for they, a week. I couldn't go to work. They told me, like, quarantine myself. But it was just like a regular flu. And then I was over it. Maybe they've, like, learned how to treat swine flu better in recent years. Interesting. I mean, we also... We live in a place where we have clean water, like which is everything. Yeah, baseline um, treatments are generally better than they would be a hundred years ago. I think. I mean, I think sometimes that's kind of tragic. We saw that with Ebola that people who got it in America got state of the art medical treatment and, and were fine. Were fine, and people who got it in Africa died overwhelmingly. So yeah, it's we're very lucky. Yeah. yeah. Ebola's cured now. Um, yeah, which yeah, is amazing. People didn't report on that that much. I know. For, like all the reports we did on Ebola is coming to kill us all. And did we they, did not spend enough time celebrating the fact that we cured Ebola. I think it was like two weeks ago that they developed the vaccine. Yeah. Which the, is crazy. The death part gets more clicks, I think. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, yeah they, they finally developed a vaccine and, and people are like, oh, okay. I've forgotten about that. I'm all I know. about Zika. I feel like we should Zika's be the hot new headline that. clicker. Yeah. Anyways, um, your new book sounds fascinating for any hypochondriacs or just normal people that, that want to know about the past world mm-hmm. plagues and epidemics. Yeah, and we're going to get more into the STD part of that a little later in the show. Right. 
yeah, the definite definite takeaway is don't STD shame because uh, otherwise it, you'll, you'll you'll die. You'll die. Oh wait, I know the Upton Sinclair story you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm such a jerk. It's I'm okay. Sorry, I guess you wrote it in an email, but I I guess I must have thought it had to do with the first story, but now. I want to know. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, Upton Sinclair wrote this wonderful short story called The Doctor's Dilemma that deals with what happens when you don't tell people that you have syphilis. It's about this well-to-do young man who, you know, when he's a teenager, he has a mistress and she's nice, but she gives him syphilis. And then he finds out that he has it and he tells his friend and his friend's like... Oh, what a terrible thing if anybody had that. Like, you wouldn't want to share a room with them. You wouldn't even want to talk to them. I couldn't even shake hands with anybody with syphilis. So What he, a shitty friend. Yeah. Uh, so he goes... I would shake your hand, Angela. <laughs> Can you catch it from shaking your hand? No. 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 <laughs> I like... I mean, no. if your hand was Touch. like shaking her genitals, that's your okay. genitals, or touching yes. my genitals and touching. Yeah, if okay. we're scissoring, that's about the only way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't worry, you won't get it from shaking hands. We just so have then, to stop. We well, just have to stop scissoring. <laughs> yeah. So the man in the story goes to his doctor. The doctor says, "Oh yeah, you definitely have syphilis. That's what syphilis is." And he says, "Okay, um, take some mercury pills because that's the only treatment we have now." And uh, do this for a few years. Um, once you're out of the first stage where it's most contagious, uh, you can go ahead and marry your fiance. It'll be fine. And he says, no, no, no. I've got to marry my fiance now. Like, it's all set up. It's going to bring huge shame to her if I have to explain why we can't get married. So he marries his fiance immediately, then gives her syphilis. No. Yeah. Did she die? Uh, no, but she has a baby, and the baby has syphilis. Oh, what a mean man. Yeah, and then they hire a wet nurse to feed the baby because his wife is sickly because she has syphilis and can't feed the baby. Does the wet nurse get it? Yep. You can get it from your neck. You can get it from nursing, yeah. Oh, uh, so, so sad. it's a great also, story about... mercury pills will kill you? Yes, they will. Okay. Yeah, mercury didn't work, but right. it was... But they tried. A lot working they tried. Yeah. They tried. Good for them for trying. Yeah. So, yeah, so <laughs> if you shame people... And... Good for them for giving everyone mercury poisoning. <laughs> and tell people that they can't tell anyone about their disease under any circumstances, and all that happens is a terrible chain where everybody around them gets infected. So just like many episodes of This Is Why You're Single, the theme is communication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew Upton Sinclair had something to do with STD shaming. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Yeah. Um, we're so excited for your book to come out. And we're going to, honestly, reading it traumatized me to never, I'm never STD shaming, ever. I mean, I didn't, not like I did before, but right. I've but made like jokes here and it. there about on the podcast before. I think I made a joke about like herpes. Well, I remember being we had, dirty. We read a news article where they had polled people, and it was like the top ten most like undesirable traits. And one of those traits was like someone having an STD or STI, whatever the. I didn't herpes. come up with the list. I was just we reading the list. Like list. No, but then it, still does it. And yeah. I used to make jokes about it as well, and. Then reading about the problems that creates when people feel afraid to come forward with. What's well, like a very treatable infection now? Like mm-hmm. you can have a party with herpes. You won't get herpes if yeah. you handle it in, or maybe you will, and it you'll survive. It'll be fine. Right. It's right. actually but, not that big of a deal. But yeah, there's no need for a stigma. All types of people get it. 
Exactly. Um, guys, you ready to jump into what's in the news? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so this week, you guys, I was reading Glamour, and they had a piece by Susanna Weiss. It's six surprising beauty benefits of orgasming. Just another reason to spend your days masturbating. Why get facials? Yes. And also make sure you're practicing safe sex. That's another thing we've learned here. Um, but they did say, they said orgasms are awesome, but they, um, they aren't even required to get the added beauty bonuses of sex. Any level of sexual pleasure or even just arousal can have the same effects. Hmm. So what do, you guys, what do you guys think the effects would be? Take a wild guess. Um, of have, what would be the beauty effects of having an orgasm? Yes. Uh, well, blood is rushing to your nether regions. So I would think like probably rosy cheeks. Your blood's probably yeah. circulating better in general. Very good, Laura. Yes. It says you get fuller lips because orgasms oh. boost blood flow to your face. Your lips look thicker and plumper. You also get lush hair because the improvement in circulation you get from orgasming um, goes to your scalp. So you get stronger, shinier, and longer-looking locks. Longer hair, too? I, that's what it says. Wait, I need to stop taking some fish oil pills to grow my hair. Just be sexually aroused more often. I will. Just buy a bunch of vibrators. Don't stop taking, stop spending your money on, on uh, omega-3s. Yeah. Well, they say you have like a glow after sex, and now we know. It's, yeah. It's cool. not love goggles. It's science. What, el- what else? Um, so... You get healthier skin. It says orgasm releases oxytocin, a hormone that accompanies pleasure, and uh, decreases cortisol, which signals stress. So you're less likely to break out or get rashes if you're enjoying your partner or solo sex regularly. Um, You can get a more youthful uh, appearance because orgasms help keep your blood pressure low. So they slow down the aging process. And you just get confidence, uh, which is sexy. Jennifer, you used to, you were one of the, the founders of the gloss. Did you ever write about when you were giving beauty tips to women? Did you just tell them to masturbate? I think I actually did a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, makes you a happier person. And that's, <laughs> right? that's sexy. Yeah. I always feel attractive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember a couple episodes ago, we read an article about the 30-day orgasm challenge? We didn't keep up with that. Have you been keeping up with it? No? No. Me neither. My hair would be way longer. <laughs> yeah, your hair's looking a little dull. I'm gonna, I know. I'm just going to assume that you have not been, that you didn't do the challenge that we read about. We read an Maybe article, February. Jennifer, to fill you in, about a, a woman who did a 30-day orgasm challenge. Kind of like a yoga challenge, except no yoga and a lot of orgasms. And... Uh, Anyway, she said the benefits were were amazing. She felt better. She got more done. Like, I think creatively, she slept better. Anyway, so Angela and I said we would try it. That sounds nice. That sounds like a much nicer New Year's resolution. But we didn't do it. Go to the gym five times. I didn't even do it. I I honestly forgot about it the next day. I mean, it's the equivalent of think of if your resolution was like, I'm going to get a massage every day. Oh, it's the same thing. It's just in a different part of your body than most masseuses touch. Yeah, and you're by yourself. It's a lot. Unless and you pay a little extra. It's a lot, a lot. Yeah, that's true. It's a lot less expensive. Yeah, unless you're going somewhere. Happy ending. Yeah. So, uh, guys, try it at home. Maybe do it every day for 30 days. And let us know if you do the 30 day orgasm challenge. Maybe take a before and after photo of you. Oh. <laughs> I would really like to see that. Okay. You want to know what I've been reading about? Yes. 
I've been reading Cosmo. Sexy. What do they have to say? This is an article by Hannah Smothers. It's about how an Uber driver saved a 16-year-old girl from sex trafficking. I'm obsessed with the story. The story was last month, but I, I just read about it, so I knew I needed to talk about it on this podcast. Um, so a this there was an Uber driver in Sacramento. He was on the first his first ride of the night, and it ended with a call to police after he drove three women he believed were involved in a sex trafficking operation to a Holiday Inn. Okay, here's what happened. The Uber driver, his name is Keith Avila, and I watched a whole video where he's explaining what happened, and he is very passionate about this. Yeah, he did like a Facebook Live. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to do a Facebook Live, but he <laughs> he was like still in his uber car like pulled over while police in the background were going to like arrest the women that were in the sex ring and the guy and he was like you can see behind me it was very dramatic anyways um so the three women got in his car and they quickly there was two women who were like a little older i think they were 25 and 31 and then in the front seat sat this little girl who he thought was like 12 years old turned out she was 16 still very young and the there was one of the women in the back started describing to the teenager in the front seat what was going to happen when they got to the hotel. And the woman allegedly told the young girl to, quote, check for guns and get the money before you start touching up on the guy. And it started explaining to this girl, basically telling her, like, how to be a prostitute and what she's going to do when she gets inside to this hotel. So this guy, like, doesn't know what to do. And he was in the video. He's saying, like, I was just trying to act, like, cool. Like, I didn't even notice. And I just think about all the conversations that I've had in Uber cars. Obviously, I'm not involved in a sex trafficking ring. But you really do just kind of, like, pretend the driver's not there and let they're like not paying attention to your conversation but this guy was paying attention but he was like holy shit couldn't believe what he was hearing and was you know trying to like just act like chill like turning up the music like acting like everything's okay because he basically had two options he could have like pulled over and been like i'm not taking you there like what the fuck and like you know said stuff to those women but they still would have walked and made their way to the holiday inn right or he could just take them act like everything's okay to not like alarm them and then immediately call the police so he went with like the latter decision um and he dropped them off and the girl one of the women like called the guy that they were meeting on her cell phone and was like okay i don't remember what the room was but like okay room 122 or whatever the room was so he knew what the room was which was really helpful because then he called the police told them what happened told them what room it was the police showed up within minutes and like went in there and like busted the operation and like took this young girl back to her family she had been missing and arrested the two women who were essentially like female pimps to this little 16-year-old. Is that not the craziest story you've ever heard? That's a good Uber driver. Yeah, good for him. What would you have done if you were an Uber driver in his situation? Like, I wonder if, would you have done the same? Like, I would have been felt so guilty, like, dropping them off there. You know, dropping them off at the Holiday Inn. I guess he was basically... Right, there's only so much he could do. Yeah. He, he couldn't, like... Uh steal the girl away they probably would have like sent it would have been like him kid and yeah and it would have been like kidnapping i guess if he like didn't let like what was what else was he gonna do but he apparently on the phone to police he's like if you don't show up in a minute i am going in there myself and i'm gonna bust down that door like he was wow. ready to take action good for him yeah what a good yeah. guy right although in the video he does say he's like a trump supporter so that part's well, like he sounded a little crazy well, okay the way he brought it up was definitely insane. Yeah, he brought he it was up. Like, all oh, you Hillary people want to done, done something. But it's like what Trump? It, Trump get it done? Trump get it? Trump? Said. Does so, he think that Hillary supporters are like? Well, down, I mean, apparently she's running a 
pedophilia ring Bring in out a, pizzeria, a pizza hut. Yeah. So exactly. Apparently. I guess anything's possible. <laughs> so yeah, that part of his video was a little wonky. But other than that, he's a modern day hero for saving <laughs> this sixteen year old from a sex right. trafficking ring. But I just oh my watching the video is so dramatic and I was like, now that is that's a good story. You know Uber drivers have good stories. But that is a good I'm story. I'm sure most do, yeah. He must have some poker face, though. I would not be able. I think I would do the same thing. You know, I would report to the police, but they probably would have known something was up because I would have been like freaking out. Your eyes would have been wide. Like my my palms would have been sweating. Look, I don't want to tell these people how to be underage sex trafficking (laughs) pimps, but don't do that with a stranger. Like your business is illegal. Um, And I also feel like when I'm in a taxi, if I'm having a conversation with someone, I do try to bring up good things I'm doing so the taxi driver will think well of me. Oh. Like, I will loudly <laughs> remark, like, yes, I did work at the animal shelter today, and it was very rewarding. <laughs> I bet your rating is so high. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. What do you think he rated them? <laughs> Definitely, like, not a five. Yeah. They, they took a dip. I wonder what... uh what they what rating they gave him i mean he got them arrested probably not the best rating <laughs> he took that gamble was he was uber uber yeah he was uber do you think he's gonna be like uber employee of the month yeah probably i mean i hope i hope so i hope so because uh pretty cool dude yeah, yeah that's nice after hearing so many bad things about uber drivers it's really nice to hear yeah. about someone who you know steps up and, yeah yeah uh, I just hope it doesn't detour other sex trafficking rings from talking about it in their Uber cars yeah. so more can't be saved. I, I have to think that that's not a common thing. But <laughs> yeah. Gross. Okay, guys, we are going to jump into the mailbox. But first, let's take a quick commercial break. Angela, what do we have in the mailbox this week? Um, so we have two emails, both from gentlemen this week. They're uh, Andrew and Kevin. We're going to help Andrew and Kevin. So first up, Andrew, who is 22 years old. Andrew has a unique issue. He writes, this year I ended a five-year relationship with my high school sweetheart and so have been single for the first time in my adult life. Needless to say, I've been putting your advice to use in meeting new girls and having a great time. Oh, that's nice, Andrew. Uh, Even getting intimate with some new partners. My issue stems from something I've always dealt with but never had to explain to a new girl in my life. I very rarely ejaculate while having sex. It's not a medical problem, and it's definitely not an issue with me enjoying the experience or being attracted to the girl I'm with. Uh, The issue is I have discovered it's not something I can easily talk about prior to going to the bedroom or else I come across like I'm bragging or setting a challenge of sorts. I guess my question is asking for your opinions from the female perspective. I hate not being able to physically show how much I enjoyed the sex and very often it leaves my partner a bit upset or disappointed in in themselves and my explanation that it's a non-issue and it's just how I am kind of gets brushed off. This has hindered my experience with casual partners, and I'm afraid it may hurt my chances of becoming more serious with a girl if they think they can't satisfy me in bed. So I had a few questions when we got this. I wanted mm-hmm. to know if he had ever uh, had ever at any point ejaculated during sex or if it was just something that like didn't usually happen. Right. And I was curious, like, when he masturbates, is it different? Yes. Yeah. So what did he say to so that? So we, we followed up. He So he gave us a little more information. He said, I've never ejaculated from oral sex and only once from vaginal sex. 
The other handful of times my partner has been able to bring me to finish has been through lengthy hand jobs, which is also the case when I masturbate. I've done some self-research into masturbation technique, and I'm currently trying to heighten my sensitivity by only using light touches and lowering the frequency of any masturbation. I'm a bit drastic at the moment because the current girl I'm seeing is real catch, but I'm concerned I may start to disinterest her in bed if she can't feel like she is satisfying me. He says, I have yet to see a doctor about it. However, I'm not taking any medication, which is the main side effect concern I've read about. If this hypersensation doesn't help me out, I plan to visit my doctor to make sure there isn't any further issues. I'm surprised he's never brought it up with the doctor before. Well, I mean, it's this, it's probably embarrassing. Yeah, I know, but I would want to find so, out. I would just want to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, you, you were a sex calmness for, for years. Did you ever have any questions like this or do you have any... Well, I mean, it sounds like he's making a lot of good choices. And, you know, if the way you finish is to touch yourself, then, you know, a partner can be there with you for that. That can still be a really intimate experience. Um, I think if you explain that, it'll be fine. Um, In some ways, like, this would be such a different situation if it was a woman who just didn't usually orgasm from sex. Right. Because then you would... Like most just, women? Then you would just pretend that you orgasmed. Right. Which he so could do. We've read stories about, actually, He could pretend to do that. Um, we have. But, you know, generally, if you want to have, you know, an honest, honest fulfilling yeah. sexual yes. relationship with someone that goes on for a long time, that isn't the best approach. So, yeah, you know, maybe she gives you a lengthy hand job right now and you try some of the other stuff that he's doing to see if that helps. Do you guys think in like these casual situations he's talking about, like if it were if you were the girl in the scenario, would you want him to say something beforehand or would that make you feel weird? Like I would I I would want him to say it because I think like. I mean, I understand that he's saying it like a challenge. I think that just means that he needs to rephrase the way that he's saying it to women. Because if he's like, hey, by the way, like I don't usually come, then that sounds like a challenge. But if he says to them like, hey, I just want to talk to you about something like I'm really sexually attracted to you. You like really turn me on. I can't wait to like be with you. But, you know, if I don't come, I just want you to know like I usually can't from sex like. I, I just have, a, um, it, like, I'm not that sensitive, so it's really hard for me, but I just want you to know I'm enjoying it. Like, I want right. to be with you. It feels good. It feels good, and, like, I just might not be able to finish by having sex. I want you to know ahead of time it's not you. Like, just have a normal conversation about it, I think, is much better than if he says it during the moment. If he says it during the moment, I would definitely feel very self-conscious and would feel like, oh, am I not sexy enough? Like, am I not doing like does he want me to be doing some other kind of crazy moves like why is he not able to come like what am i doing wrong because if he says it halfway through i would be like oh sure this happens all the time like you know i wouldn't believe him i would think like no you're just making this up halfway through because you're not able to come with me and yeah and if he never says anything you would be like wow i must have really been awful yeah 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 i mean also maybe there's something that will help him come like if if there's like a special porn scene that really does it for him you can have that on in the background totally things to talk to your partner about right yeah so i would say don't give up keep trying there's like rings you can put on penises that vibrate right and that's like and you can wear those like while you have sex and that's something a little different i tried it i tried it once (laughs) didn't go didn't go well (laughs) 
Wait, what did you try? The, I think I like got the it. Vibrating ring. Back I, ring. Why did I get? I got it either like as a gift and like a bat. I didn't. I wouldn't. I didn't go out and buy that. It must have been like a gift. And so like I made. I hope Nick doesn't kill me for talking about this, but I made him try it and like. I was like, oh, this will feel great. Like, I don't know, just experimenting with fun things. And he was like, this was really, I think I'm losing circulation. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah. He was like tying like a rubber band. Like he was not into it. Wow. But it might work for this guy. So. Right. Yeah. It works for someone. They made him. You know what? Uh, We have a a code. This is why you're single code for adamandeve.com. That's right. Go type in single and explore. Explore. Um. That question was not just a plug for Adam and Eve. They're not no. even they're not even paying for this. Um, at least I don't think so. Uh, but anyway, I think the code still works. So. The code still works. Uh, do we have another question? We do. This one is from Kevin. Kevin says, I matched on Tinder with an old acquaintance recently. I didn't pursue it any further because I wasn't really interested at the time. I then saw her later at a bar and we had a drunken hookup. I had a lot of fun, so I asked her out on some dates, but didn't make any moves on her. A couple dates later, I told her how I felt, and she said she didn't feel the same, but enjoyed my company. I broke it off and ghosted her. I think she wants to be friends and is kind of leading me on, drunk texts mostly. I really don't want to be friends with her. We never had a friendship to begin with, and she's given me no reason to keep her as a friend. Am I being a dick for not wanting to be friends? Okay, I'm going to answer this one first. I say absolutely not. I mean, when he says acquaintance, this is one thing I've learned with friendships. What you consider an acquaintance, someone else might consider a friend. So it depends like how often this, you've seen this person. Like you could hang out with someone. If you hang out with someone for 10 times, like I might consider you a friend. That other person might consider you acquaintance. So maybe she feels closer to you and your friendship than you feel closer to her. So I would maybe be sensitive with that. And like in your mind, you're like, I don't even give a shit about this person. We were never that close to friends because maybe you've had maybe throughout your life, you've had friends since you were you were seven and like what you consider a friend is like really long-term deep friendships. And maybe what this person considers a friend is like someone they like met when they first moved to the city and like shared certain experiences with and like that to them is a friend. So she might feel closer to you than you do to her and might really value your friendship. If you don't though, like friendships go two ways. So I think it's totally okay that you're not friends, but I don't think you need to be a dick about it. I would just kind of fade her out as a friend or just kind of I mean I know our advice is usually like be communicative but like it's kind of hard to tell someone like I don't want to be your friend like I would never in a million years say that I would just I would just not hang out with them (laughs) and like make excuses when they're asked you to hang out and hang out with people you actually care about but no I don't think you're being a dick for not wanting to be friends because you're never a dick if you don't want to be friends with someone friendship it's a it's a fluid thing who's friendships come in and out of your life depending on what you're interested in at that time and people I was friends with I went through years where I wasn't friends with them and then maybe our interests grew back together and we whether career-wise or whatnot so no you're not being a dick yeah I totally agree I think most if you if two people enter into a relationship with different intentions it's never gonna end well someone's gonna wind up getting hurt so because you're aware of that I would just and and also, if she's sending you drunk texts, you can respond and be like, can you please not 
send or just ignore the text i don't know what would you do jennifer yeah no i completely agree um life is really short don't hang out with people that it's not fun for you to hang out with that's just a good idea in every regard (laughs) right and yeah it sounds like you know Sometimes if you've hooked up with someone, you feel like, oh, I should at least be friends with this person. Like, especially if you're young and you don't want to admit that sometimes things just happen and it wasn't like proof that you two have a special connection that's meant to last for years in some capacity. So definitely in my early 20s, I was someone who felt like every time I like made out with a guy, like at the very least we had to have a lifelong friendship now. Um, And it turns out that was not true. And uh, trying to make that be the case was not reasonable for anybody involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's never like real friends. They're never like the person that you call when you like need a box of tissues if you're sick. Yeah. You can't call this lady. Mm -hmm. So you're really the only, well, yeah, you and maybe my friend Katie. I mean, there's a couple tissue of friends. Tissue friends. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple other. Christina, she'd bring me tissues. Uh, if you want your listener questions answered, or if you have funny text messages from an app you want to share, email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. You can also find our contact info on our website, thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now let's dive in to our reason of the week. This week's reason is STD shaming can kill you. If there's one thing we learned from Jennifer's book, it's that STD shaming could kill you. If you don't talk about it, you spread the STDs. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. Uh, You would think we would have learned from history that shaming isn't helpful because it just makes people super secretive. It does not make them stop having sex. But why do you think people still STD shame? Because like we said, all three of us have been guilty of it at some point. Well, I guess in, like, pop culture, there's, like, a stigma of, like, the kind of people that, like, get crabs or people that, like, are dirty and sleep around, but it's not true. It's, like, that can happen to anyone. Yeah, it's sheer luck. Like, you could have premarital sex with one person in your entire life and just, like, bad luck that person happened to have herpes and maybe they never even knew it. So, yeah, it can happen to anyone. And I feel like that's really scary for us. I think we like to believe that we're not the kind of people who can get sick. That was definitely a huge theme throughout this book. And people, when there's an illness sweeping through the world, people start to say, oh, well, that only happens to people who are wealthy and glamorous um, in the case of tuberculosis or more often that only happens to sinners or it only happens to gay people or it only happens to people who don't obey God's commandments in a specific way that I do um, if you're living in the 14th century. So unfortunately, diseases happen to everybody. I had a friend, by the way, I I was having brunch with a friend the other day she told me that two weeks ago, or maybe it was a couple months ago, she had mumps. Oh, wow. Mumps is Shit. like a vaccine that we all get when we're little. We get yeah. we get the mumps. Measles, measles rubella. Measles yeah. rubella. Yes. She was only two people in all of New York last year, she said, that had mumps. She thinks she got it when she was, and you think of mumps as probably like, 
oh, someone that would get mumps probably like in an impoverished part of the world mm-hmm. where their vaccines aren't readily available to you. No, the vaccine had just like worn out in her system. She was at the, op- if you couldn't be more glamorous than this, the opening ceremony of the Olympics. <gasps> and she sat next to one of the, she sat next to an older gentleman who mm-hmm. his jaw was hurting. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the symptoms of it. And you know, fast forward a little while later, she's back at home. Her jaw's hurting. Her face blows up like within like a 24 hours, like mm-hmm. the size of a basketball. She had mumps. Anyways, just, you know, she's like, is she like, like afraid a, to tell people now? Cause no, no, she's super open about it. Cause it's not, think, it's gone. Yeah. And like, and it's, there's also no shame really attached. There's, to yeah, that's like, true. People yeah. are like, Oh, I'm going to get mumps from you. Yeah. No, no, there's not. There's, Can't shake your hand ever no, again. Yeah. She, she, your mumpy hands. Her mumpies, her mumps are gone. <laughs> the mumpies are no more. But yeah, she's like super glamorous, beautiful woman who got mumps. Like anyone can get sick. Yeah, diseases don't care who you are. They don't care how you're living your life. In the case of STIs, they don't care if you're having a hundred partners or having one partner. It happens to people all across the spectrum. And when you pretend it doesn't happen, then you create a really lonely existence for people who do have a disease and feel like they can't talk to anyone about it, which is really sad. And you increase the likelihood that it's going to get spread. It's not good for anyone. That brings us to our reason of the week breakdown. Historical figures throughout time have succumbed to STDs. We're going to test Jennifer's skills, which I already know she knows some of these people because... Yeah, you're going to be really good at this game. You're going to be really good at this game. Uh, We're going to name three famous people, and Jennifer has to guess who died of an STD in a game we call... Everyone Everyone has has syphilis! syphilis. (laughs) You already named some of these people earlier on, so this might not be as hard as we were hoping, but... Angela, kick it off. You're clearly an expert. Okay, this is first up our gangster round. Who died of syphilis? A, John Gotti. B, Al Capone. C, Michael Corleone. Al Capone. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. He went like, he went crazy too. He did, yeah. (laughs) Poor Al. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Presidential round. John Adams, Ulysses S. Grant. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Well, he didn't die from syphilis. He died because he had a bullet in his brain. That is but, true. But That's eventually true. he got he would have. That's true. Um, good point. Uh, but he had syphilis. And yes. we know that because we mentioned it earlier. All right. All right. Compose around A, Beethoven, B, Mozart, C, Chopin. Uh, Chopin. Oh, wait, Chopin. no. No, oh. Mozart. Was it Mozart? Did Mozart have it too? According to the internet. Wait, I'm waiting for a sound cue. Do you have a sound cue? <laughs> oh, no. Chopin died of tuberculosis. It was He's He a, was a sickly guy, a sickly so that's why guy. we threw him in there. Sorry. He is a different sickly guy. <laughs> Who is it? Mozart? Beethoven. Apparently Beethoven. Oh, uh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. He liked his yeah, we right. did, prostitutes. We did throw you a curveball. Uh, who Who's to say Mozart didn't also have syphilis? That's true. I don't know. <laughs> Um, this is, it was kept under wraps. This is the explorer round. Lewis and Clark. Lewis, no, A, Lewis. <laughs> B, Clark. C, Christopher Columbus. Oh, gosh. Was it Lewis or Clark? I can't remember now. I clearly did not or was it my own neither. chapter. Um, oh, oh, it was definitely Christopher Columbus. Spreading diseases in the new world. Yeah. Mm. 
But was it Lewis or was it Clark? Which one is thought to have cephalus? See, we don't know. Okay. But all right. So maybe two out of the three in that round. Maybe oh. three out of the three. I just read that Christopher Columbus had. had oh, yeah. He STD. for sure has it. Yeah. 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 That he had SCDs and helped spread them over here. Although there's some rumors that he got them here and spread them over to Europe. But it's most likely he brought them here. Okay, final round. This is our worst people in history round. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, but I think, wait, oh, I think actually, wait, it was kind of a curveball because it was A, Napoleon, B, Hitler, C, Henry VIII. And I think they all had syphilis. I think that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's speculation right. that Henry VIII couldn't have um, heirs because he was syphilitic. Right. And, and also, that would explain why he kept killing all his wives. Yeah, he had a bad temper. Yeah. He had that, that syphilitic that, temper. Yeah. Is that the word? Sure. <laughs> um, so, a lot of people had syphilis. Some of these are bad people, but some were good. It, like you said, diseases don't care who you are. It's like Russian roulette. Yeah. No, you know the only person that everybody is absolutely certain had syphilis is Schubert. Which is tragic because his whole family went to such lengths to get rid of all the diaries that he wrote about having syphilis. And he begged all of his family members never to reveal his secret to the world. Like, Why did he write about it then? I, well, because he had a lot of feelings. He was going through a lot of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, like sadly should... for all the people where it's like ambiguously we think they might have had it or maybe they didn't. The person who probably most wanted people not to know that he had syphilis was Schubert. And we just... we know that he for sure that's had so it. sad yeah. poor shoobs <laughs> shooby um, do well we hope we have cleared up this week's reason <laughs> you think we did i i think that people learned a valuable lesson yeah to talk about their syphilis i certainly did go get penicillin it's great yeah. get a well antibiotics still work they still work yeah. that is it for this week's this is why you're single podcast for more reasons you're single check out our book available on amazon barnes and noble and our audiobook on audible thank you so much to our guest jennifer wright check out her book get well soon it's available on amazon and barnes and noble right yep and any other independent bookstores if you want to patronize those yes and follow her on twitter at jen ashley Wright. that's w-r-i-g-h-t any other plugs um i wish i had more to plug <laughs> that's a lot yeah that's a lot her second book within two years pretty baller she's amazing um you should also we both have copies of her previous book, It Ended Badly, 13 of the Worst Breakups in History. We posted a picture of our two books kind of looking like they're mm-hmm. making out. They came out around the same time. We were both very excited about it. It's really cool to have amazingly talented, creative friends. Then you support each other. And so nice, right? We, yeah, it's so nice to have like women that support other women. And you're amazing. You're so funny. You write about the coolest things. and yeah. I love being on the show so much. It's so nice just to get to hang out with both of you. Yes. It's so cool. Yeah. This was a fun episode. Yeah, you guys should go back and listen, if you haven't already, to our first episode with Jennifer Wright, because we always cover really dark dark topics in a really fun, funny way, which is what your books are That's like. That's what my That's whole great. books are about. That's so your, thank you for letting me do that. That's your aesthetic, and I love it. Um, uh, it was episode 22. There you go. It was the episode reason was no taking no for an answer or don't take no for an answer so okay yeah check it out it was Great. you can't take no for an answer that's what it was you can't take no for yeah right, right yeah right, right. episode 22 now she's back here this was episode number 80 can you believe it guys we've come a long way baby 
Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, you can at your single show. You can follow Laura on Twitter at Laura Lane and me at Sparadactyl. Make sure to like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. That was a headgum podcast.